Well, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to yet another episode where I'm sneaking in before the conversation to fill you in on something going on in the business that I think may be of interest to you. If you're listening to this on the week that it comes out, last Friday, the 25th, I opened doors to my six-week group program, Selling When You're Service-Based. Selling When You're Service-Based is all about helping, you guessed it, service-based business owners level up their marketing and build an online presence which is constantly selling what they do without it ever feeling that way. You know me, I am a big believer in marketing in a way which is based on theory, simple, I mean, effective, but also super value driven and doesn't require you to be delivering a constant sales pitch. It is so exciting to see that program beginning to fill up. It is a program that I genuinely believe in and love. Hello, I wouldn't host it if I didn't feel that way. So if that sounds like something that you wanna opt into, I would love to see you there. At the point of recording this, we are four hours into launch and 50 spaces have gone. So I don't know if there's gonna be any left, but check the show notes wherever you're listening to this episode. You can find out all of the information and save a space. If you are listening to this episode on the day that it comes out, hello. If you get in before the end of today, you also get a bonus workshop. So what is there to lose? I mean, I know what there is to gain, a bloody 10 out of 10 marketing program, let me tell you. But anyway, I will leave you to go and find out more. If you're ready to take the ick and overwhelm out of showing up online, I would love to see you there. But this is me over and out. I will let you enjoy today's conversation. Well, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to episode number 129, almost said 128 there, I got it wrong again, of starting the conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, here with this week's co-host, Lisa Johnson. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I feel like I want to jump to the conversation starter right now. I've got so many <laughs> questions, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a sec. How are things with you? It's a Monday. Things going well so far? Yeah, it's all right. I did this thing today where normally Monday is my busiest day. But I decided today that I looked on the weather forecast last week and saw that it was going to be sunny. So I've literally taken out five meetings and put sunbathing instead. And my ops manager thinks it's hilarious. She's like, why is nothing in your diary? And now it says sunbathing. I'm like, because this is why I have a business. So when it's sunny, I'm not inside. (laughs) I really rate that. I think that is absolutely the way to do things. And I'm very honoured that you've kept this in. You're not sunbathing right now. Thanks yeah, for being it's, with us. it's an hour. I can do an hour of chat. You know me, I like a chat. <laughs> and also then, as if you start the day with a meeting, the rest of the day, you just feel guilt-free, don't you think? Done yeah. my work, I'm good to go. Exactly. Can go and that. Let's start with a bit of high-low then. I mean, I feel like your high could be that you're about to spend your Monday sunbathing. <laughs> um, but we usually start with our lows to end with a high. Have you got one to share or would you like me to begin? can be anything. For this week or for this what, year? Whatever. Go on, do the year. Why not? Go big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, there hasn't been many lows this year. The biggest one for me is my whole life is based on travel. Like I love travel. It's my thing. It's why I have a freedom business. It's why I do exactly what I do. And so it was hard this year when that stopped. And also I had quite a lot of things that I'd been trying to work towards for a long time, like a TEDx talk, get cancelled. I was supposed to be going to Necker Island with Richard Branson in June, got cancelled. My, you know, my uh, wedding renewal, I was going to renew my vows in Malta because it had been five years. Oh, no. And we always promised we would. That got cancelled. So I feel like this year has been hard in, in some ways because of the cancellations and the things that I was really building up to and looking forward to. Mm, that's a hard, I mean, those are all incredible things to have on their own, let alone to have that within a whole year. 
and to yeah. miss out. But I'm assuming are they all being postponed? It's yeah, just a... they're all being postponed. It just feels a bit like the world's in limbo right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, business-wise, that's kind of good for me because of what I do. But personal-wise, I feel very trapped when I am not travelling. When I, when I can't just get on a plane at any given point and go. And at the moment, I can't. Um, I'm doing as much as I can, but then they keep quarantining places and then I can't go again. Yes, it's like <laughs> just when you think things are somewhat going back to normal, it yeah. feels like we're going backwards. And it it's so it's so hard to live in, isn't it? Because like you said, it's that limbo stage. Especially and- if you're a planner. Yeah, like people like, like you know. and I, we, we like to plan. We like to know what things are happening. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard when you can't do that. And, you know, I've got retreats and things and I'm going, oh, we'll see when they're going to be. Yeah. Like, that's so hard for me. Yeah, that would definitely be my low actually is that last week we were meant to be at the retreat. I host a retreat called Gather and Grow. And we were meant to be doing that last week. I was so excited for it. It was like, you know, all the stars had aligned and it just worked out. And then as we got closer and closer to September, I was thinking this actually just can't happen. And we made the, you know, best of a bad situation. We still went away as a team and had some time out. But I, I've definitely found that because of Corona, I'm working a lot more than I am doing fun personal stuff and it's not a bad thing like the business is succeeding as a result but I'm like you where I'm like if I don't schedule in the fun stuff I will work it won't happen you just carry on (laughs) well this is exactly it I used to go away like end of June pretty much until September and not work at all during that period of time that was my fun time Mm. and this year I've worked throughout the whole of the summer holidays yeah I've gone away for the odd week here and there but compared to what I usually do I've worked that's good because it means you know, we've hit the seven figure mark this year much quicker than we normally would, which is a good thing, but I wouldn't have chosen it. I would have given up that money to go away and to chill out and have fun. Yes. So yeah, it's weird times. It is a weird time. And it's nice. I say it's nice. I mean, it's not nice knowing when that's going to end. I would love it. I mean, I'm sure everyone would love it if they could just say like, cool, until this date, you've yeah. got to put up with this, but it's the unknown, isn't it? And thinking, that's can it. we book things for next year? Is that too risky? Because if you remember in March, we would say, okay, we can deal with this. It's going to be for about three months. We all kind of thought three months, everything's going to go back to normal. By uh-huh. August, we won't even think anything had happened. And then it got nearer to August and we were like, hmm, maybe like September, October. And now it's becoming very clear that this could be years rather than just a month. And so we have to get used to some new kind of normal. Yeah. Whatever that looks like and work out strategies to cope with that. Mm. And that's harder. It is harder. Are there any alternatives to travel that you can bring in or nothing quite beats it for you? I bought a house for something to do. <laughs> As you do. I'm <laughs> doing lockdown. Yeah, I bought a house. <laughs> I always need a project. So I bought a house. I need something to look forward to all the time. I'm that kind of not very mindfulness person who's in the moment and very like reward focused. Sure. And so we bought a house. We couldn't move into it during lockdown because of lockdown. And so what we did instead, got somebody to come in and decorate the whole house how we would like, which everything has a silver lining. There's no way I would have done that if it didn't have a month of it just sitting there doing nothing. So by the time we moved in after lockdown, it was all completely done. So that was good. We then got bored and built a pub in our back garden. <laughs> I think I saw that on Instagram this morning. <laughs> I think I was a bit bleary-eyed. I was like, does Lisa have a pub? I do now. <laughs> so we've got this little pub in case there's another lockdown so we can go out there, play darts, play on the arcade machine. Um, so that's been good. But yeah, I don't, I'm not great with the whole wait and see what happens thing. Mm. That isn't how I've ever lived life. You like to know. 
I think yeah. so. I think especially when you know good things are coming, it you know, I can work so much harder yeah. when I know, okay, in six weeks I'm going on this holiday and, you know, we get this reward, this fun thing is happening. But when it doesn't feel like you can put those marker points in, it's a bit like, why are we doing this? Why like, are we, why are we doing just it? working yeah. and working and working? It does feel a bit like that. And I've booked like, in two weeks' time, I'm going to Italy for three days. Two weeks after that, I'm going to Sicily. But you don't actually know if you're going. So you can't quite look forward to it as yeah. much as you would have done before because you don't really know. Like I put the Maldives for, Jan- for like, like end of December, beginning of January. And now I'm thinking, well, I can look forward to it, but I can't get too swept away because uh-huh. you don't know. Yeah. Um, which I find hard because I am award based. But hey, there's been silver linings too. Speaking of silver linings then, what would be one of your highs at the moment? Can be, can be a big one, can be surface level. What's going on? there's a few things at the moment I think that this year the biggest highs I feel like I've grown as a person so yes business highs have happened money all of that kind of stuff but that happens regardless that's always going to be an up and down thing in Mm -hmm. any business but I feel as a person I've I think differently now than I used to and I feel that maybe just being inside with family and the things that actually are important has made that happen. And it's it's made me grow up a bit, I think, as a person and as a business owner, as a leader, because I've seen that, you know, you can when, you, when you're in this kind of business world, a lot can seem like there's a lot out of integrity. You know, you're on the social media all the time, you see people doing all the things that you can't stand and it, it triggers, it can trigger you a lot. Mm. And especially when you're in it all the time, you're working it all the time. But during lockdown, I've pretty much put my phone away. I've been, I came off social media for a few weeks during it because I just didn't want to see it anymore because of all the conspiracy theories. And, you know, and then I was going for walks for like an hour with my family, which I would never normally make time to do. I would always find something to fill that time rather than go for a walk for no mm-hmm. reason. Not even a walk to a pub, just like a walk for a walk. <laughs> yeah, like I in don't a circle. This. I'm like, why, yeah, where are we what? going? What's the point? Where are we going? Yeah. Um, and so that's changed things for me because I've realised that all the crap on social media, if you just put your phone away, it's no longer there. It's not real. None of mm. it's real. The only real things are the people you no really no you care about every day and um you know I, I mean there's been such silly things when I think back now to like a year ago I would have worried about what a stranger was saying about me on Facebook so much that I wouldn't have maybe done something put something out there or done a live or whatever instead of thinking well actually what's the really important thing it's that I provide and can make my business a success for my family mm-hmm. so what I was actually doing when you look at it logically is putting a stranger's opinion on the internet over my family's happiness yeah. which is bizarre when you think about you like think, that you're yeah. like what what why would you ever do that whereas this year being around that family and realizing who's important who's checking in on you who's you know who's your real circle not the, mm. the the fake business bestie circle then it's really made me grow up a bit and go okay none of that matters like literally none of it matters yeah that's the power of knowing why you're doing something isn't it because yeah. when you know why any of the crap that you face as a result, whether it's insecurity, trolls. I had my first Facebook ad troll yesterday. It was a Did highlight you? of my life. Highlight. I was excited. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, tick that You've off the bucket it. list. <laughs> Someone's coming after me. That means there's something interesting going on. Yeah, to come after you for. Exactly right? that. I'm like, thank you very much. But, you know, all of that stuff, exactly like you said, it's amazing how relevant that feels when you mm. don't really feel connected to what matters. And yeah, lockdown 
Yeah, I think for so many people personally and business-wise, lockdown did that because you're suddenly confronted with your life and you're forced to ask yourself, what do I value? What do I like? What do I not like about my life? What do I want to change? And I think as soon as you've reconnected to that, everything changes, doesn't it? Because you see stuff for what it is. And that's a brilliant thing. I mean, that's been a brilliant thing for a lot of online businesses. It's been a brilliant thing for mine because not only have I done that, but think of the, the amount of people that have gone... Oh, I'm in furlough. So the world might be ending. We don't uh-huh. really know what's going on. Is this the life I actually want to lead? Or is there something else? And there's been so many people that are like, well, I'm not going back to an office every day. I'm mm. just not doing that anymore. And so they've started businesses and they've had this time to learn about how to make passive income and start their online businesses and all of that, which for me was brilliant because this year has been in such a such a year of two halves because although it's been so bad for so many reasons for so many people I've been banging on about things like needing to diversify your income for a good three or four years and no one's listening going yeah but I'm doing all right I'm doing all right I'm doing all right this year everyone's gone ah Lisa was talking about something there this is this is why I needed to do it because now Mm. what how am I going to make money yeah, it's such a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't say that you've wished it, but there's definite no, positives from it. There's definite Absolutely. positives. And I think even for people who aren't in business, there, there's positives for it. Like people have been talking about, you know, the kids are being bored at home. I've reconnected with my kids on a much bigger scale than I possibly would have done because I'm hanging out with them on a day-to-day basis. They're here. They're mm. seeing me work. They're seeing the value that goes into my work. They would never have seen that before. So I think we can all find positives in what's happened this year. Yes. And I feel like that's a mantra for life, isn't it? Whatever happens, yeah. if you don't try and find the positive, it's a pretty sad way to look at things. It's a really sad way to look at things. I always have this mantra of this too will pass. Whenever uh-huh. anything is like a bad thing or I feel like, because you know, you always feel things worse when you're in it. Like when I've been bullied online and things like that, I've always been a bit like, oh, this is my whole life is over. You know, we're so dramatic, aren't we? And then you just think to yourself, well, it will pass. Like everything does. Nothing lasts forever, mm-hmm. bad or good. So you have to enjoy the good and not really worry about the bad because in 10 minutes time, something will be different. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I really love documenting everything. Because like you said, in the moment you think, oh my gosh, this is never ending pain. I'll never get through this. And then six weeks, six months later, you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> like that I can bad. see that or I can see it for positive. And you're that annoying person. It's like, well, I'm glad it happened. And you're like, well, you didn't say that at the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> like a great thing. <laughs> it always is it always is okay so getting into today's conversation starter which like I said in the intro I'm so excited to dig into because as soon as I thought about this topic there was only one person where I was like this is the person to unpack this with or more just I think me ask all the questions and, and lap it all up from <laughs> is you so today we're going to talk about building a value-driven yet wildly successful strategic and big business yeah I feel like that for me is something that over the last six months I've really discovered that I'm so curious about and in love with. I found it really interesting in my first few years of business how it was always portrayed that there were two two options, right? You can be successful, you can make the money, you can be strategic, you can build a big business, or you can do things in a value-driven way. And for me, I was like, why do we have to pick between the two? Why is that something that we're presented with? I still think people think like that. Like even the words, when you even said that sentence, you said the word yet, as if, it's like you can, like, like it's an amazing thing yeah. that you can have both. Like, and, and it's funny that you think like that because I never have. So, and other people have definitely said to me, oh, I thought, you know, because I was successful, because they see that 
how much money I'm making, they've always assumed there's some level of negativity there. Like, uh-huh. you know, oh, you must be like not so nice a person as someone else that is making less money, for instance. Or, mm. you know, you're you're successful, so you must have had to walk over someone. That's just how we're, I think, especially as women, brought up to believe that, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a bum fight out there. So you need to be like either having morals or having money. And I massively don't believe that's true. I came into it right at the beginning with, I want to make a load of money. Actually, that's, let's be honest, probably that isn't quite as true. In the first six months, I probably didn't even think about it. I just thought I want to make some money. Mm -hmm. This is my business. And then I worked with somebody who made me realise I didn't want to be like her. And the reason I didn't want to, even though I paid a lot of money, and the reason I didn't want to, and it taught me a lot, it was a brilliant experience, because it made me realise that I actually really care about integrity. And I don't think I would have even known that I cared about that had it not been for somebody showing me what I didn't want to be like. So that's a really positive that came out of that situation. And I was like, okay, this actually matters to me. And if it matters to me, maybe it's going to matter to others. And that, about six months in, was when I said, right, I'm going to be really wildly successful, but I'm going to do it on my terms and I'm going to be a nice person. And actually people are going to come out with the result they paid for because people were all telling me at the time, I remember all these coaches saying to me, you have to not, not, not care about the results. Don't things like don't tie yourself to the results. And I get that to an extent as a coach, I'm not Mm. even a coach, a consultant, you can't, you can take a horse to water, you can't make them drink. So I do yeah. get how it's not really your issue, it's their issue. However, if you don't tie yourself to the results at all, you will be less value driven yeah. because it won't be one of your KPIs. It won't what's, be one of what's your What's motivating things. you, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I decided not to do that and to sort of allow myself to be tied to the results a bit and to have that to be one of my big goals, not just to make the money and to help people, but to actually give them the thing I was promising them. Yes. And go as far as I could to get them that. And of course you can't make them, but you can push and you can go as far as you can. You know, I've got courses and programs. And if we see people getting stuck on a program, you you don't have to go, well, they knew what they were getting and they didn't, it's their fault they didn't get there. You can think like that, or you can think, what else can I give them that's going to get them over that hurdle so that they're more likely to get the results? And I just decided I wanted to be more like that. And yeah. it's worked out really well. I think my business is successful because of that. Uh-huh. Not in spite of. Yes, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, business is relationships and relationships are built successfully when you're a nice person. I have a mantra with the team of like, don't be a dick. Like we're just not allowed to be dicks. But it's mental to me that that even has to be a thing. Yeah. I really resonate with what you said of you almost didn't realize it was an, an it was abnormal to completely merge these two concepts, successful and value-driven until you saw either how other people were doing it or what it was more for me is that people began to comment on it and be like, oh, it's just so great that like you have all these values in your business and you're successful. And I was like, what? Like yeah, I was huh? brought up in a family which was so value centric that it was mental to me that I was suddenly in this space where those two didn't come hand in hand. Yeah. And it's so refreshing just to hear you you say those things because I think so often I'm like speaking over myself because like, you don't see it in many places. So many places tell you the other way. And if you don't see it, then it makes you think, you know, you hear about this, I'm too nice. If I'm too nice, if I'm too giving, if I'm Uh over giving, if I'm giving too much value, 
then that maybe that's why I'm not successful. If something's going wrong in your business, it's never that. <laughs> I'm like, too I'm, generous. Yeah, like, too, okay, too nice. blame it on something people, else. I mean, you actually hear that. Coaches saying, well, the reason people aren't buying from you is because you're giving too much away in your free groups. You're giving too much oh away God. in your freebies. It's never that. I you could can do give a your best 50-minute marketing chat about why you can never give too much away for free. Give too much away. Never. Yes. And, you know, people only ever come into anything for the support and the accountability. No one ever goes, oh, I really want to learn. I don't know about SEO or how to do a sales funnel. No one wants to learn that stuff. They will learn it if it gets them where they want to be. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't give too much. People need it step by step and they need the support that goes with that. So, yeah, I just feel that we can we can make the decision to be value driven. And it may mean you lose out in the short term on certain things. I definitely have done. Mm. You know, people have left my membership because I talked about things that were important to me, like anti-bullying, Black Lives Matter, all of the things that maybe they didn't really want to hear about at that time. Tough. They're my values and my values mean that people who are around me are going to hear them. And it means I've lost out on things I got (laughs) offered to, as an influencer, put some photos on and say that I was using a certain type of keto coffee and I would get paid 50,000 for doing it. Of course I said no. That mm. that's not part of my integrity. It's not my part of my value. So it means you might have to turn people away who come to you and say I want to work with you and you know that you're not the right person and that the person you know would be brilliant for them is your competitor. Yeah. Then you send them to your competitor. You never take them. And although on the surface of it, these things seem damaging to money, damaging to business. I promise they're not. Because in the long term, and we all want long-term sustainable businesses, don't we? We don't want like short-term flash in the pan businesses. Uh-huh. In the long term, it will pay out. And it definitely has with me. Yeah, because values as well is what shapes how people feel about you. There's that quote that flies around, isn't there? Of, you know, people don't remember what you did. They remember how you made them feel. And yeah. I think your values are one of the biggest things that plays into that. And I genuinely believe that, you know, the growth and the sustainability of your, your business relies on what people say about you when you're not in the room. Definitely. And if your that's, values aren't there. That's what your brand is, what people say about you when you're not in the room. That, right. You know, I think that's so important. And it doesn't mean you have to be walked all over. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't be annoyed. It doesn't mean you can't be assertive. I mean, you've seen me online. If I think something's wrong, I'm shouting about it. I will talk about it. And that makes you enemies, especially if people are out of integrity of the thing that you are talking about and you're holding a mirror up. That's going to make some people dislike you. You can be disliked and still be values driven. Yes. Yeah, it's such a balance, isn't it? It's not the message of say and do whatever you want because if they don't like it, that's their problem. But it is, hey, if you stand in your own ground, some people will like you. They're the ones that are gonna help grow your business, great. But hey, the byproduct of that is some people will go the other way and they won't be quite so enthusiastic. And that's okay. It's not about being polarizing for the sake of being polarizing, mm. which I think a lot of people shout about, you know, be polarizing. And, and then you see people kind of not being who they are because they wanna be polarizing. Yes. You don't need to be. You just need to stand up for what you believe in and have, you know, talk about where where you stand, what you stand for, what's important to you. And that might not be the same as anybody else, but it's okay because there will be some people that resonate with it. And those people will then only want to work with you. Yes. And those people are so much more valuable in every sense of the word than to have triple the size of people who take you or leave you. As soon as someone else comes along that offers the same thing, 
because they're not really, you know, loyal to anything that's specific to you, they're going to head off. It's not for them. That's one of the things I talk about a lot is it's, you can have an audience. People talk about growing an audience, grow a big audience. I think it's so much more important to have a loyal audience than to have an audience. Like that loyal audience piece has served me well in many different situations from, you know, if somebody is saying something, there was somebody in a, in a Facebook group a couple of years ago that said something, it was the leader of the Facebook group, and they said something like, oh, I've never worked with Lisa Johnson, I've heard such bad things about her. And she'd never met me or spoken to me or anything. But in a normal situation, if you have an audience, that those 3,000 people in that group would have gone, oh, and that's what they would remember about you. Mm. Because I had a loyal audience who happened, some of them, to be in that group, they flooded it with, this isn't fair. I've worked with Lisa. She has such integrity. She does this. She's really honest. She And they flooded it. And now all those 3,000 people will remember that. Mm-hmm. And that's if you have a loyal audience. You, if you have a loyal audience, they will stick their neck on the line for you because you have helped them. And I think that's so much more important. I'd rather have a tenth of the audience and have them loyal. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious with that, because you've, you know, you've got a, a huge business, right? You don't mind me saying you, or you mentioned no. already, you've hit seven figures already this year. Yeah. Was there any, I guess I'm speaking from per, kind of my own perspective here, my fear with scaling my business is like, oh, but what if in scaling somehow the values get lost or they get muddied? How do you, or kind of how have you found that? over the yeah, years they, they don't need to they can you're right in that if you're not careful and you don't keep centering yourself back to mm. the values you have like my values in my business are honesty transparency integrity and knowledge so those four things are really important to me so if you know as your business grows a few things happen you get a team that team the, the bit what to make this easier is only hire people that have the same values. Yes. You can hire people that know completely different things. Like my operations manager is the opposite of me in everything we do. You know her. She's the opposite of me. But she has the exact same values. She cares about the same things. She stands mm. up for the same things. And so it works. So that's how you make sure when you start hiring a team and scaling, you, the, your values are going to be the same. It's not going to change just because you're bringing people in. That's important. But the second thing is there will be more and more opportunities for you to do things. You are allowed to say no. Just because you want to grow, my advice would be not to allow yourself to do things out of in, out of your values and out of integrity for the sake of growing. Grow just a little bit slower. There have mm. been opportunities afforded to me to be on certain podcasts, and to do certain things with people that I don't believe have the same values as me. And so I have said no. And where most people would go, you are mad to say no to that. You That would have got you 100,000 people watching you straight away. I don't care. I'll still get 100,000 people watching me. I'll just do it slower. Yeah, no growth is worth sacrificing your values. Never. And you'll still get there because... It will still happen. It will just happen on a different route instead of a straightforward route. Sure. And I think that's okay because it's not really about, I think one of the biggest issues in our industry is people trying to get to an, we're very goals driven, aren't we? And uh-huh. so people are like, I want to get to six figures. I want to get to seven figures. I want to be on the top 10 podcasts in the world. I want to be on these stages. I want a TEDx, all these things. And if you only think about those things, you're going to be really sorely disappointed because yeah. actually the fun bit, is on the way. Yeah, and the and second so, you reach something, you just go, cool, You want next the next one. thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we don't want a straight line because we have, have a straight line. We're never going to feel that joy. If we're going kind of just allowing our path to go in a different way, you know, maybe it won't be the first TEDx you're offered you do because it's not 
in the right integrity for you to be talking on that subject. And so you wait for one. Yes, it will take you longer, but you're going to find joy on the way. It's going to be definitely more worth it. Yes. And what you're going to build will be so much more fulfilling for you. You won't lay awake at night thinking, crap, who have I stood on or, you know, pissed off in the process. Yeah. And it's sustainable. I think people forget about sustainability because the draw of the money is such a fun thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, if you get, I've had, I've seen recently this, there's quite a lot of talk on high ticket. And, you know, I've always had high ticket in my business. I I didn't even know it was a thing. I don't know why it needs a name. You charge different things for different things that you do. But this high ticket seems to be bandied about at the moment. And it's very much like I'd have clients that were selling something for 1,500, but because they've been taught by a high ticket coach, they'll then charge exactly the same, charge 20,000 for the exact same thing they were doing before. That to me isn't out of integrity. That's not a value-driven thing. That's a money-driven thing. That's because they want to make more to say they have a high-ticket thing. Mm. And I get the lure of it because people say things like, yeah, but now I only have to have 20 clients to hit 200K instead of what I was going to have before. Yeah, of course. You'll get to the money quicker. At what cost? And is it sustainable? Because if you give somebody something that you're charging more for, they will expect more quite rightly. And so if they're not getting the value that they think they're paying, your business can be very short-lived. Because mm-hmm. the experience you give people is your marketing. When you're service-based, you know, we can talk up our expertise all we want, but if people in Facebook groups and on podcasts and, you know, in their WhatsApp groups aren't saying, hey, you should hire Lisa for that, you should do Alice's program for that, you're just chatting yourself up. Absolutely. And people will always, these days, I feel like our audiences have become so savvy. Like they, they know they're going to ask around. They're not just going to go with the testimonials that you're posting out there. They're going to talk to people who have actually worked with you. It's a small industry and they're going to say, what was it like? And, you know, what results did you actually get? That's important to me. So you're really shooting yourself in the foot by doing things that are out of integrity because it just will shorten your business life. And who wants that? Yeah, it's not, doesn't make sense aside from that instant gratification which as you've said is pretty disappointing once you've got it it I think it's so good as well that you touched on you know sometimes or a lot of the time being value driven means saying no to things that might look like what you want but ultimately aren't actually what you want because I know that I've had times where I like you you say you know probably not on the scale as you've had but you say no to things and then you kind of doubt yourself for a second because you think oh but what would other I, would other people yeah. be like? What are you doing? Like, and am I a bad business person? Like, mm. and, and especially if you have coaches, like I've had coaches telling me you shouldn't do that. For instance, I have a membership, and that membership for a long time was capped at five hundred. We we're about to put it up a little bit, but it was capped at five hundred. And every coach I've ever had has told me, "What are you doing, capping that? Like, you could double your money in like two weeks if you open it up to more mm. people." And I'm like, "But that goes against the value I have of honesty, and and I believe that if you're going to invite people into a membership, you should know who they are. I can't know more than 500 people. That's about my limit of uh-huh. kind of what everybody does and how what kind of help they need. And so, yes, I could do it, and I could double my money." But it's just, it just, it doesn't feel good to me. Mm. And I think that my energy would be different going into that group. And I wouldn't feel like I've stuck to my values. And yes. as soon as you don't stick to your values, what are you then building a business based on? Mm-hmm. Who is it for? What's it about? And I think that's so true to touch on that a lot of the time it is that gut instinct. 
you don't know, I don't always have the language for a decision. I'm like, Emily, I can't explain to you why we're not doing this thing that on paper makes a lot of sense, but I'm just telling you, knowing the business, how I do, I just don't think this is the right call. And that's why I think, you know, being a business owner takes so much self-belief, doesn't it? Because in those oh, moments God, yeah. where all of the other votes are against what you think, you've got to yeah. go, do you know what? I'd, I think this is the right way to do it. Yeah. It's also the best thing about having your own business because Mm. you can't do that when you're working for somebody else. So it's great that we get to make these decisions. But also one of the things that I've really learned is to trust your gut. Mm -hmm. Like I had no instinct when I came into business. I trusted everybody. Like I would, if somebody told me this is a good thing to do, I'd go, oh, great. I'll go and do that then. No, because I didn't know. But um, I've learned over the past few years to really trust my instincts and if my instincts is saying something is off now I'm usually right afterwards I'll look back and go that would have been the wrong move like Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been the right thing for us it would have gone against the values even if I didn't even know it at the time yeah so I do think like listen to yourself yeah and and the more that you have those moments where you look back and go damn if we'd done that thing that I didn't really know why we shouldn't have done it but I knew we shouldn't I now know that would have ended badly it it helps to form that self-belief doesn't it because the next time you have that gut instinct you're like no we know how this went last time. Yeah. Let's trust and, it and, and Especially with clients. I mean, we've all had those clients that we wish we'd never taken on. And at the beginning, you know, you know, as soon as you talk to them, it's not the right client. Uh-huh. But the money, you know, it, the, the testimonial you might get, you might help them, you might be able to change how they're thinking. Just don't do it. It's never worth it. Never worth it. Because what you sacrifice, which isn't always the instant thing, is never worth it for what you do get. No, it isn't. I remember spending like 80% of my time on one client at one point and thinking, how is this value driven for the rest of my clients? Mm -hmm. It's true. When you know your values, it it gives a framework to everything. And I'm interested, those values that you listed, how did you land on them? Because I would, hopefully you'd agree with me that values aren't something that you think of, you reflect on your own thoughts and feelings and you put some words to it. But what did that process look like for you? So for me, I believe that business... I believe we're all personal brands at the end of the day. We can't have business values and different values as people. I uh-huh. think that our actual values are our values as people. And I've done a lot of work, like inner work, on what I believe, who I am, and what that means. Because uh, my background was one in which I was I was bullied quite a lot. I had quite a hard uh, childhood. And so I've done a lot of work on self-worth. And I think that once you know what your personal values are, that self-worth becomes stronger. And so I've done work on that anyway. And then when it came to business, the easiest thing for me was to look at other businesses and say, if I was that business, could I sleep at night? Would I feel okay with things? Mm -hmm. And that will bring out what is your, what are your things? Like it's not for everybody, honesty and transparency. And that's okay too. Like there are businesses out there where, you know, they are more money driven or maybe their values are more, around helping 1 million women by 2025. I never had that. I don't have a value to help so many women. I don't even have a value to help people. It's not really one of the things that pushes me. My values are always about openness and they always have been. So with transparency, that came around. Your values might be driven by things you have seen that you don't want to be. I think it's easier to learn what you don't want to be yes. and then work out what you do. Because that's far so, more compelling, isn't it? As yeah, humans, really we're drawn to that. Yeah, we are. And I remember seeing people talk about how much money they were making and how they could make you that money and how many people they'd helped. And I couldn't see 
any proof. And I found out a lot of the time it, it was lies. They weren't earning those things. And I was like, God, I'm a real cynic. Like, I don't believe anything that I see unless it's proven. Mm. And so one of my values instantly became transparency. Like, the thing that I lacked when I was looking for coaches and mentors was I can't find transparency out here. I can't find what I really need. It all seems like guesswork. Like, I don't know who's uh-huh. telling the truth. I don't know if their way is right. I don't know whether they're really telling me the truth to get me into something. I just didn't know. And so for me, I knew I didn't want to be that. And so the way to not be that was to be over transparent. Instead of just putting a few things on, show everything behind the scenes. And that's what yes. we do. You know, we show how much we make. We put Stripe accounts online. We make sure that there is no room for cynicism mm-hmm. or or for worry or wondering whether you know, is this the right coach for me? Maybe she's lying about this or this. Instead of putting a, you know, something like a testimonial up with no name, we interview people who have worked with us and we get other people to interview them. Like Mm. everything is transparent. And that transparency has to go through bad things, not just good. So when things have gone wrong in my business, my transparency means I have to tell people Mm -hmm. what has happened. If I've done something wrong, I have to be open about it. Um, Because otherwise that value means nothing. And that's a a real lesson to learn is that if you're going to have values and they're your business values, it means they are your values. And so you need to be living them. You can't just say them because people know. I've had a client that was like eco-value. That was their big thing, sustainability and the environment. And then on their Facebook, they're like drinking gin through a plastic straw. Like immediately... Even though that's a tiny thing, yeah, the value, the trust is gone. It weakens you it, right? Live, we can see it. Mm. We have to live it. It's easier to have values that you know you're already living. Yes, because if they're instinctual to you, they're so much easier to put into place and they're just naturally how you would show up yeah, or kind happen. of the best version of you. Mm. And everything you said about transparency there, I just feel like I clap every single word of that. <laughs> Of just like, again, when I first came into the industry, I was looking around like, how, like, what, what is this about? Why are we all creating these weird smoke and mirrors? And why is yeah. everything a funnel? And why does everything lead into another thing that you have to keep buying yeah. for? And you, and I think I remember one time. This I think was my breaking moment was when I listened to a webinar and they said, in your low ticket offering, again, like you, like why have we got these weird words for it? Like in the thing that doesn't cost that much, they said, don't give them. The, the thing they actually need to make the transformation so that they have a big question mark at the end, but they know you thing. enough to buy the... And I just mm. heard that and thought, if that is what running a business is, I'm absolutely out because that sounds awful. And why, it's, it's why? exactly how my, I have, a, you know, my programme, One to Many. And that programme came about because of what you just said. I mm. bought a course on how to create courses and memberships. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this course. And I bought it and I was like, I've done it, but I can't make any money from it because they haven't told me how to grow an audience. So then I bought another course on how to grow an audience. I was like, okay, I've got to grow an audience instead. And in it, it was like, you need to have a funnel. I was like, I don't know how to do that. So then I bought another course on how to have a funnel, another course on launching, because I realized after I'd done the whole thing, I had no idea how to launch it. And it was just, there was consistently another thing that I needed to buy from either them or somebody else. That they were probably affiliated with. Yeah, and I couldn't do that anymore. I just decided I'm not doing this. I can't do it like this. And so when I learned all of these different bits and I put it into practice and it the bits that were working, because not everything does of everything you buy, you know, some things don't work. 
And the bits that did, I decided to do an entire program that covered all of it from beginning to end. And the sole purpose for me was they will never have to buy another program because I was so annoyed at it. So that's what I mean about like your values come from things that have happened to you. Like people talk about that course as being a a whole solution because of that. Mm -hmm. And when things come from a value driven place, you know, every box is ticked. They're going to be sustainable. It's going to be impactful. It's going to be something worth talking about. It just makes a lot of sense. I, I feel like I'm left here thinking like, why do people do it another way? Like, <laughs> I think people do, do it another way because they've been taught that the only way, especially if you've come from corporate. So I come from corporate. And in corporate, the first thing that I remember doing is someone telling me when I was 20 to lie on my CV. Like that's how yeah. I went into corporate with everything being based on lies. And if you don't, someone else will. And so they'll get the part instead of you. I, I used to be an actress auditioning lie say that you can do things before you can do it because everybody else will and so then we're at this awful place where everybody's exaggerating and lying on top of each other to get to the top or treading on each other or or not being a nice person I see a lot in in our kind of industry at the moment of people slating the way other people market in their own marketing so the Mm. only way they can get ahead in their marketing sort of being nasty about somebody else's marketing that's not good because all that leads to is a battle to the bottom, never a battle to the top. Mm. Instead, lift a load of other people up with you and then they will lift you up. Yes, and marketing from a positive place, Mm. so much more fun, so much better to do, so much more exciting, rather than, yeah, creating this like doom and gloom of like, well, if you don't want to be like these awful people, come and see the light. Or like at the moment, your business will fail because of coronavirus, unless you buy this, this and this, or like, here's your recession proof. There is like, don't be a dick, like you said earlier. Just Mm -hmm. like, say how you can help people and why it matters and people will know. Yeah, and if you want to have the language in there, great. But, you know, you don't need the language of you have to have this. You know, this is the secret. I'm like, no one has the secret. There is like, no secret. No, no. <laughs> if you're selling the secret, like, I don't know how you haven't got millions. Yeah, because there's, there's no th- there's magic none. for it. But the, the problem is people do think there is. Like, I've had people come to me and say, oh, you know, will I, will I learn, like, the secret? Will I learn what the magic formula is? Will I learn the blueprint for making uh, the money? Blueprint. I'm like, why do you think there is this thing? And the reason they think there is this thing is because there are people shouting that there is this thing. Yeah. There isn't. It's, there's no such thing. No. The only thing there is is consistency. That is the secret. Just do something for a long period of time yeah. and you'll get there. <laughs> it's action, right? I feel like sometimes people want it to be easier than that. I'm like, nope, like many, many years of consistent action. Oh, yeah. I've definitely had people that have paid me thinking that just by handing over the money, Mm. something magical happens and and they'll make money. And it's just not the way it is. And I'm really honest about, you know, it's going to take some work, even with passive income. It takes work. It's not like this myth that you can just make a load of money by doing nothing. You're going to be working much more than you would normally at the beginning to get the money out at the end. Is it worth it? Yeah, of course it's worth it, but you're still going to have to work for it. Mm. Um, And I think that, even the words, I'm known as a passive income specialist, and even that's kind of annoying because the word passive isn't real. It's not true. It should be called leveraged income specialist, but nobody knows what that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people act as if it's like, yeah, you just create this thing instantly and then it's making you millions Magic. of pounds. Yeah. That's I why wish. I think that transparency <laughs> is so important because every yeah. time you say, you know, this has taken this many years to build and I've put this much work in behind the scenes and this is the eighth time I've done this program, you know, I think... It's just trying to chip away, isn't it? Yeah, at that opposite that narrative. Myth. 
Yeah. Absolutely. People need to know what it really takes. And yes, there are unicorns out there. It's like when I have clients that make 55 grand with 190 people in their audience, people are like, oh, you can do that. I have to shout, this is a unicorn. This mm. doesn't happen. This is really rare. You will not get this result. It's highly unlikely, but you might make five to 10 in the first time. But it's about just being honest about what it takes. And yeah, if you're a unicorn, bonus. But don't, you know, don't think that everybody's going to get that because they're not going to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you pretend they are, and there are people that shout about, you know, make it seem like everybody will get to six figures really quickly, then all that happens is when people don't get that, yeah. it looks like it's your fault. Yeah, and that just creates a <laughs> negative experience. Honestly, yeah. I, I mean, never say never, but I could never see myself marketing that obvious of a result because I just think, you know, you're committing to so much that's out of your control yeah, by doing that. You shouldn't do it anyway, because even if you have helped one person get to seven figures, it doesn't mean you can rinse and repeat it and do the same. And people say, yeah, but I've made it myself so I can help others. That doesn't mean you can help others make it because mm. you've made it yourself. It means you can get you can tell them what you did and you can advise. But don't put in your marketing that you'll get someone to six or seven figures. It's yeah. not worth it. Yeah, I feel like the more you're in the industry, the more the marketing that maybe to people at the start is really appealing. We see it and we're just instantly like, like never no, go there. <laughs> don't do it. Don't pay the money. No. You just become not not even skeptical. You just know you see no. it for what it is. Yeah. But the problem is it's the people at the beginning that need to see it for what it is. And mm. then you don't, you know, I got duped. We all got duped at some point, yeah. didn't we? That's life. One of my biggest motivators is the people who's, and not in a, you know, I wish it didn't happen, but the amount of people I have worked with me and I say, oh, why are you working with me? And they'll say, you know, I've been burnt by yeah. this course. by And I just like, it genuinely makes me sad because I just think someone taking money off of someone and giving this false hope and sense of security. Yeah, it's just, really hard. It's, it's gutting. really, really hard. And at the beginning, I wanted to fight every battle when I heard that. Mm. So like I had even just, the beginning of this year, end of last year, I had several people, around 25 people come to me that had all been burnt by the same coach, um, by the same course that handed over around 10 grand to make 10K months. And obviously none of them had made anywhere near 10K months because it was just a rinse and repeat blueprint that can't work for everybody. And so they'd been burned. And a huge part of me wanted to do something about that. Like as an ex-lawyer, this justice part of me is like, yeah, we need to get rid of that coach because this is going to keep happening and more and more people this is going to happen to. And yeah, that means they come to me eventually and I can help them and they'll pay me money. But it it can't be right that this keeps happening. Mm. And then I realised that people have to make their own mistakes. They have to do their own due diligence. You can't get rid of the bad people. All you can do is make sure you're there. when people are ready for the right people. Yeah, and the more that you run your business in a value-driven way and the bigger and more influential your business gets, the more you, you know, start overtaking those other businesses. Yeah, it's really tricky. Mm. God, I feel like I could talk about this for hours, (laughs) value-driven businesses. But honestly, it's just, it's so refreshing, Lisa, to hear someone where your business, you know, your business is financially so successful, you know, you can decide on a Monday afternoon that you're going to go sunbathe for the rest of the day. Yet everything that you've said here, it contradicts with that really odd message of you can't have the two. And I just so appreciate your transparency in, and kind of, it must feel like a constant thing of just reproving like, guys, they it do can't. exist together and it's possible. Yeah, it does feel like that, but I think it has a ripple effect. And that's why it's so exciting that like people like you have this same 
like values because mm. it's a ripple effect. You see the people that are bad coaches. You you know when you find a coach that is not in integrity, who they've been taught by. Yeah. You can see it, you know, and who that person was taught by. It's and like who a spider's that person, web, isn't it? You it's a proper spider's web, which means if there's people that are teaching values, that's a brilliant thing because you're going to have a ripple effect on that next load of people who are going to have a ripple effect on theirs. Uh, somebody said to me last week, I didn't know the person. And she said, oh, I turned some people away who wanted to work with me this week because it wasn't in integrity with me and I knew that I couldn't really help them. And I was like, that's amazing. Who was your coach? They told me their coach. Their coach had been coached by somebody else who had been coached by me. (laughs) The ripple effect had gone down four people Mm. who was turning away clients who they couldn't help. That made me so proud. That makes it all worth it, hey? Stuff like that. Exactly that. I think that's great. What's about? All right, we're we ready to end with some lighthearted confessions. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm God. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll start with one, and then then we'll see where we go. The last couple of weeks, they've all been quite kind of inappropriate and X-rated, so I'm going to go for some <laughs> gentle ones today. <laughs> there was a lot of screen sharing, inappropriate things. You know the drill. This was one of my favourites. She said, "It's a short one." I used to run a driving school, and I used to make the pupils drive me to places I wanted to go. We would quite frequently go to hobby crafts so that I could have a mooch or maybe go through the mcdonald's drive-through if i fancied a milkshake well that's just clever <laughs> i really just, rate that that's just clever oh, she's not doing anything wrong i would do <laughs> the same have to drive somewhere anyway <laughs> like may as well make, make your pay yeah. for the petrol enjoy oh, what you're getting brilliant. you know that's like repurposing content it's just like make the most of it (laughs) okay another one that we've got in quite a lot I'll be interested to hear if you've ever done this I actually haven't I used to when I was with corporate and now I would I don't think it's value driven for me but someone said sometimes when a client is particularly difficult or rude I add wank attacks to my fee for them being a pain in the ass I up my fees for the hassle of having to cope with them so I have done that (laughs) (laughs) at the beginning if I'm I used to be a wedding planner. Uh-huh. So before this business, I know people say I have an overnight business. It's a very long overnight of around yeah. eight years. A lot of sleeping so like on. before this three years, I did actually have another business, which was as a wedding planner. And we have couples come to us. And the ones that we really thought were going to be a pain in the arse, we'd add on 10 grand to their oh planning fee in the assumption that they would just say no. But yeah. twice they said yes. But there is something about going, okay, they're being a pain in the arse, but we've got triple the fee. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was thinking, it isn't it? Like either way, you either don't get the client, which is great, or you yeah. get the client and you're really getting paid enough yeah. to be paid. I think people do shit. it to justify not having the client. They don't really mm-hmm. want the client. And so there is a good way to justify it. They don't feel right going, no, I don't think you're the right fit for me because then they feel like they're a bad business person. But by putting the money up loads, they're a good business person, but they don't get the client because of it. So everyone feels happy. I love that. Lisa, I'm glad you agreed with that one. I did wonder, <laughs> does that conflict with the value-driven chat? But as, as long as you still feel like you can help them, you just don't really fancy it. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Why not? Glad that, glad that, I mean, about <laughs> 10 of the confessions were that. Of like, that. Yeah, people doubling, putting zeros on the end. Was, I love these confessions. Yeah, I could carry on, but I, I have to limit myself. I get too excited <laughs> by them. 
Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. I'll leave all your links below so people can can go and explore if they don't really know oh, who you are. So thank you. Appreciate it's it. It's been really nice to be here. It's been, been a really easy chat. I can't believe an hour's gone. I know. I feel like <laughs> I, I often can't believe this counts as work, just sitting and having a chat yeah, with someone. Yeah, chat. It is. Um, I hope you enjoy your, your sunbathing. Very well Thank deserved. you. <laughs>